there's a really lovely community element to Mixcloud as a platform. They can find other uploaders who are uploading similar shows and follow them and repost their shows and favorite them and comment. It was really important for me to source all of the music I was going to play from LPs rather than from MP3s. You know, I kind of wanted to recreate the feel of listening to college radio in the 80s. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Paul Reismandel, and I'm one of your hosts. Hello, everybody. My name is Eric Klein, other host of Radio Survivor. And on today's show, we're going to dig into a platform called Mixcloud. We're talking about the internet radio again. Yes. Web radio. We're talking about a, a, another uh, service for people to put their radio shows, essentially, online. And, and we're digging into this because... Listeners reached out to us, sent us an email, podcast at radiosurvivor.com, and said, hey, uh, it was interesting learning about Live 365, which we talked about two episodes ago on episode number 93. Putting tiny webcasters back on the air. They had been bumped off the air in 2016, and uh, Live 365 is back and giving uh, small internet radio stations a second chance. Exactly. And they said, but there's this other service called Mixcloud. We'd like to learn more about it. And it's it's not a streaming service. These aren't live streams, but it's basically a way for people to put music podcasts, musical podcasts on the internet legally. So in a way in which it's it's totally a okay with musicians, a okay with uh, record labels, a okay with the copyright office because with they everybody who's got an interest. Yes, because the people who are uh, who have earned these licensing fees for their creative output. Uh, are getting the check exactly but it but luckily it's also free for the broadcaster to use so whether you're a community radio station college station an independent dj um whoever you are you can put up your podcast you can put up your your dj mix your mixtape and host your radio show on mixcloud yeah your radio set. Your radio set, your radio show. And so we want to dig in more and learn more about it. Uh, we'll be talking to Xanthi Fuller, who is the head of community for Mixcloud. Mixcloud is actually based in London. So uh, Xanthi will be joining us via Skype, and she'll tell us more about what Mixcloud is and how folks can can take care of it. And she'll explain also how they're able to do it for free, because that's, yeah. that's a question we always worry about in this age, that your free internet service at some point just goes away because yeah, it was how does free. this work? There's no free lunch in exactly. radio, but maybe there is in community but, but radio. Xanthi explains radio. that to us so we can understand it better. Then we'll talk to a podcast, someone who creates a podcast a <laughs> on Mixcloud. Uh, his name is Doug Hepker, and he creates a show called Little Records. And Little Records actually made the transition from being a live 24-7 streaming station to then being a music podcast on Mixcloud. So he'll tell us about that journey, what he does, yeah. and, and, and why he does what he does. It's bringing the, the love of college radio in the 80s to podcasting in 2017. Exactly. So uh, you definitely want to stick around to hear that. And I want to do a little bit of follow-up real quick on our last show, which is episode number 94, which you can, if you missed it, maybe you listened last week, but if you missed it, go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. Low Power FM HD. Yes. So we talked to- Which is an anachronism, A very interesting- uh, 
person who run who is uh, at a high school station in Vacaville, California. They have a low power FM station, so a non commercial low power station, hundred watts of power uh, that operates out of uh, Vacaville Christian Schools. And this station adopted digital HD radio. And Jennifer Waits might get on my case for saying this, but it may very well be the first, possibly only, HD low-power FM station in the country, as far as we know at this point. As far as we know, we've been able to uncover no more. But there's... uh it sparked a lot of questions, <laughs> us doing this interview Listen and sharing it. It, spar- it sparked a lot of questions from listeners and from folks in social media, uh, spanning uh, from sort of, oh my gosh, is this something which low-power FM stations need to be doing? Are we late? Do we need to do this? Um, or to some more in-depth questions of like, well, what are the complexities? Like, you know, even going beyond. Uh, because as the only HD radio low power FM station. Um, it really does spark a lot of questions from people in the community. Um, more than we really want to get into here on the show, <laughs> mostly because it gets really technical. I wanted to ask you a big leading question that might yeah, take an hour for I you think, to answer I think we, just now. We really don't want to. So what I did is I went ahead and wrote up a blog post to try and address some of the major questions that we had. And then um, Ralph Martin, who's the guy at the radio station, he wrote up a response, which is great, which, which we're including now Ooh, with dialogue. the blog post. So there's a bit of a, so he can clarify some points even more, uh, based upon uh, my clarification. So a lot of clarification. What's the title of that post, Paul? What's the deal with LPFM and HD radio? So that, that it's straightforward, easy to find, but we'll put it in the show notes. If you go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast, uh, look for episode 94 or 95, which is today's episode. We'll have the show notes for both of those. For If you had questions and you want them answered, uh, we want you to be able to Neat. go back there and answer. And of course, you know, we love it when we hear from listeners. Um, we love to have a dialogue. We like this to be as much of a two-way street as a, as a podcast can be. So always, please drop us a line, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Of course, uh, radiosurvivor.com slash podcast is where you can always find the show. You can subscribe in iTunes. You can subscribe in Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcast app is. And you can hear it live on the radio on X-Ray FM in Portland, Oregon. And you find them at xray.com. FM. They have three signals in the in the greater Portland, Vancouver area. So uh, you can go to xray.fm to find out where you can tune in noon on Fridays Pacific time. So you can listen online as well. Perhaps you're listening right now. Perhaps that's X-ray. where you're listening. You're listening to Radio Survivor on X-Ray FM. Exactly. Uh, so let's uh, jump in to our main topic of Mixcloud. And we'll be talking with Xanthi Fuller, who's the head of community for Mixcloud. Thanks for joining us, Xanthi. And, and the place I'd really like to get started is for you to just tell us, like, what is Mixcloud? What is the service that uh, the company provides? Okay, yes. Yeah, so Mixcloud is a platform that was designed entirely for long-form audio. So that means radio shows, DJ mixes, and podcasts. Uh, we don't um, cater for short audio, as in we don't cater for single tracks, but it's all about the long form. And it's a streaming platform, if I'm not incorrect, right? It's not a yeah. download platform like uh, some other, like a, like a podcast platform would be. 
No, exactly. So it's a place for people to upload their shows to and it's free to upload your show and it's free to listen to the show, but you can't download the show. And the reason for that is because uh, we're a fully licensed platform, uh, which means we have licenses in place for long form audio. But those licenses stipulate that you can't make it downloadable because as soon as someone downloads a piece of audio, they then own it and we don't have the rights for them to do that. And when you say fully licensed, this means that that Mixcloud is taking care of the royalties that go to songwriters, that go to musicians, that go to record companies and the like. Is that correct? Exactly, yes. So the way it works is that every single show that is uploaded to Mixcloud is automatically fingerprinted, audio fingerprinted, which means that we have this system that automatically recognizes every single tune that's in that show If so long as that tune is released and registered, we can't do much about unreleased tracks. Uh, So from that audio fingerprinting, we then generate uh, music reports. And that music report then gets sent out to the various licensing companies around the world. And we have deals with those licensing companies whereby we pay a blanket fee. Um, And it's, it's a bit like traditional radio stations. So it's a blanket fee, but this obviously involves online um, rights as well. And you're covered in the United States uh, and, and many other places around the world then. Exactly, yeah. And then we send out the, the music reports to those licensing companies and they then pay royalties out to the different artists. And that's been kind of an issue for a lot of uh, independent stations and, and, and especially like independent DJs or people who have run online stations in the U.S. Because uh, last year, royalty rates went way up for independent folks who may not be associated with a school or university or who aren't associated with a, an established uh, broadcast station where they may have had like a live streaming station, but the royalty rates they had to pay increased by like tenfold. And so would Mixcloud be an opportunity for folks to kind of host shows without taking on that cost? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so so if they broadcast live somewhere, then that would be their issue and their cost. But anything that they upload to Mixcloud is then covered by us. Uh, so we have a lot of online radio stations who use Mixcloud. Some of them broadcast live elsewhere and have separate licenses, but then a lot of them just broadcast on Mixcloud. So they use Mixcloud as their online radio station. Uh, but for the ones who broadcast live, they they all use Mixcloud for all of their back catalogue, all of their archiving, all of their listen again. So we have some major stations like, for example, the Lot Radio um, in New York, Brooklyn Radio. Um, in the UK, we have NTS Radio, Radar Radio. They all use Mixcloud primarily for their um, listen back feature. And so Mixcloud is like the on-demand experience. It's sort of like Netflix for radio in a way. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. And we're really um, well built for radio stations. So we have a playlist function that means that you can uh, order, separate out your shows into different lists. So say you have loads of different types of show, you can create a playlist for each of those types. And then if people want to find a funk show, you can find all the, you know, everything separated out into that funk playlist and so on. So it's a really nice way of making sure that your shows don't just get lost on an ongoing stream. I see. So, you know, a lot of community radio stations in the U.S., I'm sure it's similar in the U.K., they have a fairly eclectic schedule, right? So they might have a funk show. They might also have an Indian raga show. And so this would allow them to give each show its own kind of uh, channel or stream, if you will. Is that correct? So that they can have the, exactly, the radio yeah. station and- branding? 
Exactly. So it, it can all come under the one radio station profile, but that station can then either they can do it by genre or they can do it by presenter. So you can have a different playlist for every single presenter who's on your station. And what you can then do with that playlist is you, so we have various different widgets that you can use to embed shows into your own website. So people can come to your, your website for your station and listen to all your archived shows there, but it will be linking back to Mixcloud essentially. So uh, not only can you have individual widgets for shows, but you can also have a widget for a playlist. And what that means is you can have, for example, different pages for each of your shows um, on your station, on your station website. And then within each of those show pages, you can have a playlist of just the shows, of just those shows. So you, that can all be, you know, say you're really into one DJ, you can listen to all of those shows that that one DJ has done. And that playlist will just play through each show and then go back to the top again. And as the station, uh, where can my shows live? Is this something that, that can be at Mixcloud and also on my own station website? Uh, yeah, that's um, so that's what I mean about the widget is that you can have that show living on your website with our widget. I see it's like a plugin kind of, and you just sort of like you can, you can uh, take a YouTube video and, and, and plug it into your, your website. You can do the same thing with a mixed cloud playlist or show. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the widget function. Yeah. And, and what's the listenership like there at Mixcloud? Is this a, is this a place where you, you might find an audience in addition to sort of send your audience? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're fully global. So you find listeners finding your shows from all around the world. I have people listening to my show from Serbia, Kazakhstan, because I also do a show on online radio. And I'm always just amazed at how far these shows reach. Um, so we currently have over 1 million people uploading shows to Mixcloud and we have over 18 million unique monthly users. So there's a pretty big audience here waiting to be tapped into. (laughs) And how can people listen? Is this something which uh, you can only do on desktop or can folks listen on mobile? Oh, yeah, we're available on iOS and Android and desktop as well. You can also listen via Apple TV and Sonos. So I don't know if you guys use Sonos, but um, that you can listen to Mixloud via that as well. I see. And, and for the mobile device, so I guess you have to be have an uh, active internet connection. Is it, is it possible for someone to kind of cache a show for listening later? Uh, yeah. So right now you can, it does um, save some of the show as you start listening, but the actual proper caching version we can't supply at the moment because of the licenses that we have. So the question I have to ask then, you know, you talked about the licensing and the royalties and your service, um, I mean, can be available for free for stations, DJs, producers, et cetera, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's free for, it's free to upload and it's free to listen. You can sign up for a pro account and, um, with a pro account, you then get to get a whole list of other, um, functions added. So you can see all the stats associated with your show and your profile, uh, which means you can then see where in the world people are listening. You can see where they dropped off during the show. So it's a really good way of judging, you know, which parts of your show are working, and which aren't. Um, you can see how many people listened and how many people liked it and favorited it and so on. 
Um, you can do that. You can also schedule releases uh, so that you don't have to, so you can, you know, plan your shows in advance. Uh, you can also hide your stats if you want to. So a lot of people, when they first join, when they're first growing their profile, they like to hide their stats until they're sort of happy with the numbers that they're getting. Um, I think that's it. You can, yeah, you can create private links. There's a few things you can do with Pro. But apart from that, I mean, most a lot of people use just the free um, service as well, and it's, it's a pretty good experience still. And I think the question is, how is Mixcloud able to offer this free service when clearly you're having to, to, to cover not just the royalty payments, but, but the whole technology infrastructure that makes this yeah. go? Yeah, so the uh, thing that's interesting about Mixcloud is we've always been completely self-sufficient and we've always made r- money right from the start. Hmm. Uh, we also decided right from the start that we would do everything completely legally. So that's why we got you know the licenses in place right at the beginning and therefore had to make money straight away. Uh, so we've always made money through selling advertising around the website. So uh, as long as you don't have an ad blocker on, you can see adverts, um, place, you know, banner ads placed around the website as you're using it. And then another way we make money is through brand partnerships that we do. So we often have a lot of big brands come to us saying that they want to do something interesting within music. And we then come up with ideas for them, um, different concepts, and they might be uh, providing a branded channel for them that um, is totally skinned. So it has no adverts on it. Uh, We'll also help them to curate mixes, but we also sometimes do tours and live events with these brands. And when that happens, the nice thing about that is that we then often uh, will need artists to use for these partnerships. And at that point, we like to turn to our community of uploaders and try and, uh, you know, give back, as it were, or reward some of our big uploaders or our interesting uploaders by getting them some paid work through these brand partnerships. And are there audio advertisements? Is it is if I'm a non-commercial station and I'm uploading uh, a one-hour show, uh, are there going to be ads inside my show or on either no. side of it? No. No, we don't have audio advertising. I see. So it's all display. And is there display advertising on the app as well? Uh, yes. Yeah, it is. And that's enough to kind of keep it going. Because the reason I ask this is because, you know, services come and go. And uh, often uh, folks who've maybe, you know, been doing online audio for quite some time um, have had uh, services go away underneath them, right? They've, they've got, they're relying on a, on a host uh, to put up their shows. Maybe it was free for them, uh, but maybe it was venture funded. And eventually that funding runs out and, and they haven't found a, a yeah. profit model. And, and they're concerned if I, if I invest a lot of my time and energy and obviously put my audio in a service, is it going to stick around, especially if I'm not paying for it? Yeah, exactly. Well, we've been around for eight years and um, we've grown steadily. We're going through really big growth at the moment. And as I say, you know, we've always made money for ourselves. So it's a pretty secure platform in that respect. And, and could you tell me a little bit about what you do for Mixcloud? What, what, what's your responsibility uh, there? Yeah, so I'm the head of community. Um, which means that my role is we have the product team who make the product, make the website, do all the technical side. We have the brand partnerships team who essentially make money for the company. And then we have the community team, which is my team, which is uh, we look after the people who are using the platform. So my role is um, working with a lot of our uploaders, um, especially the sort of really influential ones. Uh, It's also identifying new people who have joined who I see real potential in. 
and working with them to help them grow. Um, it will be, for example, identifying people or areas that we, you know, would like to grow, such as say I say I decide, okay, this quarter we need to look at America and look at the scenes that aren't currently uploading and then speak to them and get them, encourage them to start uploading and work with them to grow their profiles. Got it. And so you're working with, it sounds like, both sort of independent DJs who who just might be very popular and, and put up their sets, but it sounds like you also work with radio stations. Um, exactly. What, what are there other, other sorts of interesting groups that you work with or, or, or types of uh, producers that maybe people wouldn't think of? Yeah, so radio stations is a big one, really, actually, because um, because we find that Mixcloud works so well for radio stations, and you know I like to work really closely with them. Also, because I just find them so exciting. You know, it's a real hotbed of talent. Often, you know, it's really lovely to have that on this platform. Um, but yeah, interesting DJs, but also podcasters. So um, we have a, a big, healthy podcast scene on Mixcloud as well. So I talk to a lot of people that just do speech-only shows. Um, we also have we also have festivals uploading to the site. So I work a lot with different music festivals. Um, we work to either record their live sets and have them uploaded to Mixcloud, or get uh, guest mixes from their DJs in advance of the festival um, as a means of sort of building up hype around the festival before it goes goes live. What else do we have? We have a lot of record labels that use Mixcloud, um, so they see the real benefit in getting their artists to create guest mixes. Uh, as a means of showing what sort of music that label represents. Uh, some labels just actually create their own radio show. So, for example, Defected have a really successful radio show that lives on Mixloud um, and Ministry of Sound as well. Um, we have a lot of venues who create profiles and it's, they work in quite a similar way to festivals. So they'll record live sets from various artists that are, are performing at the venue and we also have a lot of publications who like to use Mixcloud. So, for example, uh, people like Bonafide Magazine, Days to Confused, Mix, Mixmag. I'm trying to think of some American. Or we have the Canadian um, Music is My Sanctuary blog. So a lot of blogs and a lot of publications mm-hmm. love to, to make music mixes as part of what they offer and put them up on Mixcloud. And that's a wide variety. I'm actually a little surprised to hear that uh, that podcasters use it, especially podcasters who might be focused on on speech. You know, since uh, their shows are free to be downloaded because they don't don't contain music. Why do you think podcasters are using Mixcloud, or when you're pitching it to to podcasters, what's your pitch? Yeah, I mean, I I would say that at the moment that you know the podcasting side is smaller. Uh, but is growing very quickly. And uh, the reason is, I think, uh, podcasters realize that there's a whole audience here on Mixloud waiting to be tapped into. So they've really got nothing to lose by expanding their reach, by putting their shows up on Mixloud as well. And it's a very easy um, interface to use. You know, it's set up, as I said, for long-form audio. It's really nice easy experience to listen to podcasts on Mixcloud. And I guess as a listener, uh you can go from listening to some some spoken word programming and then you might say, "Well, now I'm ready for music." It's easy just to kind of shift over and pick a DJ mix or a radio show then. Exactly, yes. Plus there's a really lovely community element to um, Mixcloud as a platform. You know, it's a, it's in some ways it operates like a social network as well. Because people are able to find like-minded 
um, uh, people amongst the community. You know, they can find other uploaders who are uploading similar sh shows and follow them and repost their shows and favorite them and comment and suddenly you have a lovely little community building up within people who are using the platform. So I think podcasters see the value in that as well. Uh, and, and Xanthi, you yourself, you're, you're a radio presenter, correct? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell, like, because, you know, it's, it's radio nerds who listen to this show. What do you do? Yeah. I'm sure people would like to know. Yeah, so my background was in radio before I worked at Mixcloud. I was a radio producer for 10 years. Um, so I used to produce shows on BBC Radio 1, uh, 1 Extra, 6 Music, Radio 2. These are all UK-based radio stations. Um, and I produced long-term work, uh, produced shows by the likes of Pete Tong, who you, might, you guys might have heard of. Um, and uh, Marianne Hobbs is another artist I worked with for a long time. So, yeah, my background was very much as a radio producer. And then uh, towards the end of my producing career, I started hosting shows as well. So previously, I hosted a show on a station called East London Radio. And then I was offered a show on a bigger station, which is Soho Radio, uh, which is right in the center of London. So I do a monthly two-hour show on Soho Radio which is a real mix of tunes all selected by me, luckily. <laughs> so I get total freedom. Um, and I, I usually do a real sort of journey through different genres. So that could be soul, funk, disco, hip-hop, jungle, grime, um, jazz, classical, anything, um, African rhythms, and so on. Uh, and so I do that monthly show. And then I also sometimes do a show on Virgin Radio, uh, which is a big sort of um, commercial radio station in the UK. And for that, I, I cover. So whenever the presenter who does the music discovery show takes time off, I tend to cover for her and do my own show there as well. Cool. So can, uh, can people hear your shows on Mixcloud? Yeah. So if you go to mixcloud.com forward slash Xanthi Fuller, which is my name, um, all my, my Soho radio shows are there. So I've reposted them all to my page. Well, we will definitely put a link to that in our show notes, radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. And how did you then get into working at Mixcloud? How did you make that jump? Uh, yeah, so um, years ago, while I was working as a radio producer, I was asked to run a radio station that was based in Shoreditch in East London. And interesting, I now realize that the time I was running that radio station was not long after Mixcloud had launched, maybe a, a year or two after Mixcloud had launched. And we started using Mixcloud for all of our, for exactly what I've been describing. So we were a radio station, a uh, community radio station, in fact, on, just online radio station. And we started using Mixcloud for all our listen again. And through that, I got to know the guys here because uh, Mixcloud, part, one of the offices is based in Shoreditch, which is where I am now. And so uh, I ended up, we ran a competition with Mixcloud and um, through that I got to know the people here and then the uh, radio station was suddenly shut down because the people that set it up ran out of money, <laughs> as is often the way. And uh, I then came to meet the Mixcloud guys and just said, oh, I really would love to work here because I've always really believed in the platform. Um, one of the ways I've always personally discovered music has been through listening to DJ mixes and radio shows. So for me, it was my absolute perfect website. And then they didn't have any work at that time, but they had little bits of freelance that they would give me now and then. So I'd come and I sort of kept my foot in the door that way. 
And then, uh, yeah, a few years ago, I was just wondering what to do because I'd sort of gone as far as I could go with producing radio shows and uh, happened to have a meeting with the, one of the founders of Mixcloud where he told me that a position was coming up. So I was able to apply for it. And that's how I ended up here. <laughs> and then, yeah, and it's very exciting because I think for me, um, places like Mix, you know, Mixcloud is the future of radio, really. It's where, and I love the fact that it's so global. So I'm hearing incredible radio shows from around the world now, rather than just from within the UK. Um, so yeah, I find it really exciting, constantly in contact with fascinating people from around the world. So if I'm, uh, uh, someone at a community radio station or maybe just an independent DJ, how do I learn more? What do I need to do to get started? Uh, well, I essentially sign up, create a profile. It's totally free. It'll take you five minutes. And then if you look on our blog, um, so just if you Google Mixcloud blog, uh, or look on our social media. We have various posts that are all, all about giving you tips on how to do the best profile. Um, and those tips include things like making sure you tag your shows really well, as I mentioned before, um, making sure you are really imaginative with the titles that you use and you know make them enticing and make them timeless. For example, if you just put you know Chris Jones 020417, that's just not a very exciting title. Whereas if you put, you know, a history of spiritual jazz or something, then that's a much more exciting, timeless title that will encourage people to listen who don't know anything about the show. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about using in exciting artwork that's going to really stand out um, and being consistent and having, you know, quite a strong brand mm -hmm. and uploading regularly so that your, your listeners know when to, regular, when to listen in. And then, you know, making sure that you really promote your shows in interesting and unusual ways to make sure that you get those listeners. It sounds like a lot of the advice we give podcasters. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, am, I am an evangelist for uh, good show titles and descriptions so that people really know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And I would also really recommend um, trying to get some very simple, short, but interesting jingles made as well. Because, of course, not everyone that's listening is going to look at their phone or their desktop when they're listening. A lot of the time, a show will just start and they won't really know what they're listening to. So mm. it's good to have audio jingles in there just reminding people the name of your show and who's presenting it. Always a good idea to reset. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Xanthi. Uh, I've been talking with Xanthi Fuller, your head of community at Mixcloud.com. Thank you so much for joining us here in Radio Survivor. No problem. Thank you. You're listening to Radio Survivor. My name is Eric Klein. I'm here with Paul Reismandel. And today we're talking about Mixcloud because it's another way of getting radio, the kind of radio that we like, community radio, people who are passionate about music, in this case, uh, doing, doing radio online in a new old way and doing it legally. Exactly. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a real passion of ours to, to be able to share this, uh, another platform, another, another place where people can go to appreciate music, to do radio maybe the way that they were doing radio uh, when they loved radio the most there's, it's, there's been so many generations now of how to do it, uh, and some of that is being kept alive uh, both in low-power FM communities around the country and also uh, in niche communities on the internet. And we found one in Mixcloud. 
So who are we? We're about to hear some from someone else from the Mixcloud community. Exactly. We're going to hear from Doug Hepker, who has a, a show called Little Records. You're a fan of this show. I am a fan of this show. I've been listening for several years, maybe pretty soon after he started it. And it's interesting to, to talk with Doug because the show took a journey. It actually started as a streaming 24-7 internet radio station, mm-hmm. which he then changed over to being a podcast that is hosted on Mixcloud. So it's no longer just a tune-in kind of thing. It's on demand. You go to uh, his website, littlerecords.net, and then you can pick whichever amongst his different sure. uh, one or two hour sets you want to listen to. And like he was telling us, he's doing he's doing radio on the internet uh, in the style of college radio that he loved in the in the late eighties. Indie bands from the seventies, eighties, and early nineties uh, is what's on display for for Doug. Doug Hepker of Little Records, thanks for joining us here on Radio Survivor. And uh, the reason we wanted to talk with you is because you have an active show, or maybe we call it a channel even, on Mixcloud. That's correct, right? What would you call it? I, I guess I think of it as a podcast. And uh, so I think of Mixcloud as a, you know, a site that hosts thousands of podcasts by different people. You call it a show, you could refer to it you know, however you want to. So, uh, Doug, can you tell us why do you use Mixcloud uh, to get your podcast, to get your show, Little Records, out there onto the internet? Well, I did a lot of research into various uh, sites that were available for hosting podcasts uh, or hosting, you know, uh, music-oriented podcasts. Obviously, there's there's SoundCloud as well. Mixcloud, to me, made the entire process as easy as it could be for both uh, the person uh, doing the uh, uploading of the content and for the listener. So, you know, I think Mixcloud is a, is a really great platform for broadcasters who want to have uh, an easy to use backend that's, uh, uh, you know, very stable and at the same time have a reliable, uh, diverse set of options to deliver that content to listeners. So, Mixcloud follows all the rules. They provide royalties to artists, and that was really important to me. And uh, I think for listeners, their website's really easy to use. They allow me to uh, also embed each podcast uh, into my own website, so I can host the content uh, outside of the Mixcloud platform, um, which I like. Uh, So I have my own website, which is my own kind of archive. And then on top of that, they have a really good mobile app, which can be used by uh, Android or iPhone users. And uh, they're now compatible with Sonos too. So it makes everything a piece of cake from uploading to hosting to sharing uh, my podcast. And Little Records, as I understand, used to be a streaming radio station. used to have pretty much like a 24-7 stream going on, right? Yep, yeah. I've always been uh, infatuated with radio and DJing. Um, when I, you know, when I was in junior high and high school, I would make mixtapes, endless mixtapes. Uh, and then when I was in college, uh, I minored in broadcasting and got really into, uh, to being a, a radio DJ at that time. And, uh, when I left college, I just took to DJ and rock music and bars. Um, hmm. and, uh, going back to my time in Champaign-Urbana, I helped to uh, fundraise for and build a public low power FM station. Um, what station as I, uh, it was called 
WRFU, Radio Free Urbana. So for me, uh, uh, there was kind of a 10-year gap in between, I mean, not 10 years, uh, a long gap, let's say, in between working uh, on that low-power FM station and DJing in bars and whatnot. Uh, I guess I took I took a good portion of my 30s off, you could say. And uh, I just recently moved to a new city, and uh, it was just essentially bored. And I decided that I wanted to do something creative and, and music-oriented again. And uh, I started researching what it would take to, uh, you know, host a radio stream, do it legally, et cetera. And when I sort of felt comfortable with what I would have to do and it made enough sense to me, it seemed doable, I started the process, and this is maybe like late 2011, I started the process of digitizing my vinyl record collection. It was uh, it was really important for me to uh, to source all of the music I was going to play uh, from LPs rather than from MP3s. You know, I kind of wanted to recreate the feel of listening to college radio in the '80s, and of course, at that time, most stations were still spinning vinyl. Um, so I, you know, I wanted all the cracks and pops and the warmer sound of vinyl. But that process took me a really long time, uh, about 18 months to get to the point where I had converted enough of my records that I felt comfortable with the size of the song library. Um, and truthfully, I, I still spend a, a decent chunk of time uh, adding songs to the library. It's kind of a never-ending process. Tell, tell us a little bit about um, when you launched this, uh, when you launched this radio station, this internet radio station. Like, what, what was your initial... Um, I'm wondering when you first knew that someone listened other than you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, good question. Um, well, in June of 2014, I, I launched Little Records. Uh, as uh, as Paul alluded to, it was uh, a streaming radio station. It was on 24-7. I was using this British uh, site called Wavestreaming to host the station, and uh, I was legally licensed through uh, what was at the time and probably still is the lone U.S. company that provides music stream licenses. Um, in a somewhat easy to do way for, you know, a single person uh, that's, <laughs> that doesn't have a lot of time to, you know, upload podcast or upload playlists rather and et, et cetera. So I, I uploaded my entire catalog songs into this wave streaming uh, uh, system and then began creating hour long playlists in their back end. And, you know, those playlists would rotate throughout the day. So for like an average listener who maybe is just tuning in for a few hours a week, they would very rarely ever hear a playlist repeat. Um, so it was working well. Uh, I, I had, you know, initially it was largely my friends that, you know, were tuning in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to build a pretty, a pretty good network relatively quickly uh, via social media um, to help recruit listeners. I had some... Uh, established social media uh, partners and websites that were actually pretty eager to promote Little Records. They were really into the idea of someone, you know, starting a radio station, and they really liked the content. So um, it didn't take too long before uh, I was noticing listeners popping up in locations well outside of the United States, and they clearly were not my friends. So uh, yeah, I, I would say uh, within a, within a couple of weeks, I was starting to get, you know a decent sized listenership, but, uh, 
you know, over the long haul, um, kind of after several months of, of keeping up with, uh, doing all of this programming, you know, I was just starting to to wear down and, Mm -hmm. uh, I had recruited some guest DJs who were also doing their own like hour long shows, but you know, I still had to input their playlists and, you know, it was just a lot of work. Are people, Um, are DJs back announcing the tracks or, or is it just like an iTunes shuffle? Uh, well, it's not a shuffle in the sense that, uh, you know, everything is, is consciously programmed. Okay. Um, every single playlist was curated by someone, uh, most of it by me. So, but there weren't, there, there was no back announcing or right. anything like that. I actually did. I, 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 well, I should take that back. I had a couple shows that I rebroadcast that were on college stations in different places. Uh, people that I knew that, uh, either personally or people that had reached out to me. So there, so some of the shows were back announced, but generally speaking, the radio station wasn't after several months, I started to, you know, really dig into the listener stats that I was provided with. And, you know, I could see that I was building a listenership that was kind of global. Uh, but yeah, I, I things had seemed to plateau at a lower listenership than I had hoped for. And, uh, you know, I was, I was fairly certain that it wasn't the programming. Um, and after talking with people and sort of doing, you know, uh, just my own going with what my gut was telling me, it became kind of clear to me that although plenty of people uh, had a nostalgic soft spot for radio, um, it was more of an outdated mode of delivery. Um, a lot of people nowadays, uh, and this is really a, a relatively recent thing, I think, but a lot of people nowadays are hardwired to consume media in more of an on-demand fashion. You know, they want right. to listen to or watch what they want, when they want, as many times as they want. And uh, so it seemed to me like if I was going to be able to actually see what the ceiling was for my listenership, that I needed to change the format of Little Records from a, a radio station to a podcast. And what about the costs involved in streaming? It's something which we've been covering quite a bit in, over the last year and a half, um, because you were you were on the hook, right? You you mentioned that you were you were fully licensed, that you were paying the proper royalties, uh, which go to songwriters and performers for playing this music. Uh, how did you bear those costs? Uh, were they a problem? Uh, there, no, it was not a prohibitive cost. Um, essentially, the way the licensing fees are set up in America, you know, you're paying based upon how many people are tuning into your stream at any one time. And, you know, I was at a level where I was basically paying what was close to the, the you know, the bare minimum, which was uh, still something like 30, 35 bucks a month, I think. Hmm. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't zero, but it was, you know, doable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, that was never uh that was really never a determining factor for me um in terms of cha- switching away from radio so it's much more that you were you were you were looking to offer this different experience instead of somebody having to rely you know rely on just tuning into a live stream and, and maybe hoping the show they wanted to hear or the or the set they wanted to hear would be on you decided that it seemed like people much more wanted to be able to say, Hey, I want to listen to this particular show with this particular set and have it available in an yep. online form, uh, sorry, on demand form. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's really it. And, um, you know, I, I have no regrets about making that decision. I mean, I've definitely seen listenership go up considerably. Um, and not to mention the, you know, creating an hour long show and posting it when I feel like it is much easier than having to try to, 
program something that's on constantly and also having to worry about the fact that I have something that's on constantly. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's much easier. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pumping out far less content than I was, uh, when I was a radio station. So that's, it's just easier all around. And, and, and probably less content that where there's one or no listeners, right? Cause you, even if it's four in the morning sure. here in the U S yep. and, or in maybe even somewhere else in the world where almost nobody is listening, you still have to provide that content. Whereas, uh, for the podcast style that you do now, Mixcloud with, with little records, um, you know, people come in and they go on demand They listen to the things they want to hear. Yep. Yep. That's, that's it. Um, and, Believe it or not, I mean, I, I have a lot of listeners that will return to the same podcast over and over again. Sure. And I'm always a little surprised by that, uh, just because, you know, I like variety. Uh, and <laughs> but I guess if you're, you know, if you're if you're kind of tuning in and it's more of a of, you know, background, you know, background noise for you while you're working or, or what have you or while you're cooking dinner or whatever, you know, I, I could see that, you know, I wouldn't sell yourself short. I would say that some people have favorite mixtapes and they're perfectly willing sure. to listen to the same songs. I know for me, uh, when I was in a mixtape universe in my teens, uh, when I heard a song in the wild from a mixtape, I expected to hear the next song on my tape. And when it wasn't there, I was a little disappointed. I might go and find that cassette and dig it out and put it yeah. on just, just to get that yeah. experience. I mean, especially if you're putting in the work, of building these uh, sets, these playlists uh, that go together. Have, have, you haven't talked about the, the artistry of what you build and, and why you do it. Oh, what sure. kind of shows do you put together? Well, so Little Records is focused on what I call sort of the uh, underground rock of the 1980s. Um, it's a little broader than that. I think about it as, you know, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I have a, a really nostalgic uh, place in my heart for college radio. And so I think about what I'm doing as kind of creating, recreating a college radio show that you right. would have listened to in the eighties. Um, uh, you know, the, the bookends for, for what I spin, uh, on little records is kind of 1976 to 1994. So I think about it kind of as the birth of punk through like the death of grunge. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you want to think about it another way, it's kind of like the, you know, the, you know, the forming of what we now think of as indie rock. Um, so a lot of what I play is from the eighties, but I also go into the early nineties and I dip into the late seventies. Um, and, uh, you know, that's always been an era of music that I was really passionate about. It was when I came of age, it, uh, you know, I think it was a very exciting time, uh, to, uh, to be a fan of music, uh, you know, whether we're talking about in the States or in the UK or wherever, um, you know, in the States in particular, you had really, distinct, uh, regional music scenes that were, uh, uh, that had a huge impact on, uh, on, uh, the area. Uh, and, uh, you had, you know, very distinct, uh, college radio stations as well. So I, I just basically wanted to kind of recreate that vibe and celebrate, uh, that era, which I think had a really, you know, huge impact on a lot of people. And, you know, we're kind of seeing this, that theory play out, uh, nowadays, uh, with all of the bands that are getting back together again and, uh, you know, reforming and going back on tour and releasing new records and, uh, and, you know, and I think a lot of those bands are, are doing that in part because it's much easier to do that now, even though they're 20 or 30 or 40 years older, uh, than they were when they, <laughs> the first go around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of the same thing that I've, uh, same determination that I've 
uh, you know, ended up at, which is, you know, it's much easier to have a radio show now than it was before. You know, I don't have to wait around for or discover or find or get in, get my foot in the door at a radio station. I don't have to have that awkward 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. time slot to, uh, you know, get started. Uh, you know, I, I don't have to build the entire apparatus. I don't have to figure out how to broadcast it. You know, it's all taken care of. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's honestly just so much easier to, 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 to do this project, uh, now, uh, in my forties than it would have ever been when I was in my teens or, or my twenties. Um, technology has just, you know, advanced so rapidly over that time. Yeah. And it's also, uh, it's nice that you don't have to steal music just to share it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I've, I've poured a lot of sweat into this uh, sweat equity into this project and uh you know it's nice that you know even if i decided to stop the project tomorrow you know i would have a nice digital archive of of a good portion of my records uh but honestly when i'm sitting at home i i'd rather just throw the record on so i very rarely yes, ever listen to we can't uh, all have your <laughs> record collection that's right and I, as as a listener to to little records i listen uh now i listen of course on mixed cloud i listen to it on my sonos uh and you know and in a subscription fashion so i'm always looking to see what the what the newest show is uh my wife is a big fan so it, it's a very oh. common thing we listen to here around the house uh, as old college radio people and and uh, folks of, of a similar generation who came up with the same music so we really appreciate it i remember listening to the uh to it when you had it as a regular live streaming station it went away and then we were so happy to see it come back mixed cloud and i can say i think even as a listener i find that to be more user friendly because you 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 also have these theme uh segments that you do where um you do like a sunday brunch segment and mm-hmm. and one called moody effers uh you know which has like kind of more of a goth kind of thing right and so we can pick you know when if on sunday mornings we might listen to the sunday morning brunch one right uh and and it's nice to be able to choose from that and, and rather than just sort of uh you know taking your chances with the live stream so so as as a fan i can say i'm glad you continue to do it my, my goal has always just simply been to basically share my obsession for music with others and you know i think when i got this project when I was, you know, it was germinating in, in me. And then when I finally got it launched, I maybe had slightly loftier goals to figure out, you know, a way to make a little more money off of it. But uh, ultimately, you know, I've just decided this, this is a labor of love for me and I'm fine with that. And so as such, I wanted, you know, kind of the easiest way to go about delivering this content to people. And for me, that's mixed cloud. So, you know, it's never going to be, it's never going to be a project that allows me to quit my day job. I do have like a PayPal link and I get sporadic donations and that's great. I usually just spend that money on beer or records. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is for me. And I'm, and I'm fine with it at that, at that, at that level, uh, you know, down the road, I've got some other goals. Like I want to eventually also digitize my print archive of old fanzines and share those on the little records website as well. Uh, you know, kind of make it more of a multi-dimensional project, but there's only so many hours in the day and <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if I'll ever get around to that or not. I'm actually, Doug, I'm wondering if, uh, if doing the work that you're doing has brought any other, uh, college radio lovers out of the woodwork who've reached out to you. I mean, cause like you were saying, it's a very regional culture. Every city had its own scene and college radio might've supported that scene at that time. Uh, has anyone else sort of stepped up? To, 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 to try to share with you so that they're, uh, the things that they love are, are recognized. Oh yeah, definitely. I don't know. Some of the, uh, some of the 
more notable uh, stations. There's a, a great public radio station in, in Minneapolis called The Current. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had uh, several of their DJs that have reached out to me over time and uh, expressed their admiration and love for, for what I'm doing. Um, uh, you know, as I said, I, I had different people that were that were actually uh, doing their own radio shows that said, hey, I'd love to rebroadcast this on Little Records when it was actually a, a streaming radio station. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's in, it, you know, via social media, it's, it's pretty easy to create some sense of community, you know, if you're, you know, if you stick with it. And I think I've been able to do that. So it's 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 definitely been rewarding. And, you know, I think most of the people that listen to the station or sorry, listen to the podcast now, um, you know, they're, they're, they're people in their thirties and forties and fifties that, you know, remember, you know, how awesome radio was and how awesome it can be. And, uh, and, you know, have obviously a love for the music of that era. Um, but I also have people that are, you know, that are younger than that, that I know, you know, probably haven't had that same experience, um, and are discovering this music, uh, for the first time. And that's, that's cool. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. We're, I mean, we're all about great radio, no matter how it happens, whether it's a podcast or streaming or pirate airwaves uh, or shipped on cassette <laughs> tapes around the world. <laughs> if there's great radio, we want to hear about it. So Doug Hepker of Little Records Podcast. I always want to say Little Records Radio. It just rolls off the tongue so easily. But of Little Records, yeah, let's just say thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Survivor. Hey, thanks for having me. That's Doug Hepker of Little Records. You can find him online at littlerecords.net and also on Mixcloud. Paul, how come we talked about Mixcloud all day long on Radio Survivor today? Well, it's not because we're advertising for Mixcloud. <laughs> Mixcloud did not fund the show in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's because we, we're always looking for these options for people to make great radio. And because, especially with music, online, there's all these barriers that have to do, as you've heard on the show with the various royalties, uh, every, the the various folks who need to get paid. And we're not sitting here and complaining about that. We, we think we're glad that musicians are getting paid. We think they should get paid for their work and, and that songwriters should get paid for their work, but it can be difficult for folks who want to kind of celebrate this stuff to know how are they going to do it? I'm thinking about the last 10 years of the internet and my love of radio stations that I love, uh, mostly don't put the music on the internet for very long. Usually yeah. it sunsets after two weeks. Yeah. It's mostly, it's either live, right? Which is fairly easy for them to cover or there's, or they put the shows on for a limited amount of time. It goes away and you have to really, uh, you have to get on that. If it, you want to listen to a KEXP, uh, set of music that's getting old or, or KPFA I'm thinking of right now. Exactly. And so, you know, we found this other alternative. It's something which I've listened to and kind of knew about, but then listeners got hold of us and said, Hey, uh, what about this mixed cloud? Is I'm it a good option? Cloud. I'm we, very excited. Yeah. Can we learn more about it? And so that's why you want to dig in. And certainly are there other platforms, are there other websites, um, that are trying to help uh, DJs, uh, radio show hosts, producers, community radio stations, college radio stations, uh, anyone really create great radio, get it online and make sure that it's, you know, free and you know free to to listeners maybe and legal from the standpoint that yeah. that these royalties are covered platforms, we'd love to know about it platforms where people who are passionate about music are able to share that passion with listeners and not uh, break any rules 
Yeah. It's pretty neat. Yeah, exactly. So that's why we want to talk about today. And if there's other things we should know about, we'll we'll continue to look ourselves. But please, if you know something, let us know. Drop us an email, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Of course, radiosurvivor.com is where the podcast lives. You can go look at any episode. We have show notes so you can learn more about everything we talk about in the show. And there's also lots of great articles there, too. It is a blog. It started out as a blog and, and it has become also a blog and a radio show and podcast. Uh, we'd love it if you would go and rate the show at iTunes or Stitcher or, or whatever podcast application you use that helps people find the show. Um, of course, you can tune in live. Fridays at noon Pacific time at xray.fm in the Portland, Oregon area, in the Portland, Oregon area on the radio or live because uh, they stream live oh. at xray.fm. However you like to listen to the show, we welcome it. We are a reader and listener funded platform. Radio Survivor is not commercially driven. So we're here because folks like you help us do what we do. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash support to learn how you can support the show. It was a full one, but a lot of fun, Eric. Um, yeah, thanks for putting it together, Paul. See you next week. Thank you for listening. I want to let listeners know that next week on Radio Survivor, we're going to be talking about smart speakers and community radio. It's not something you might think will go together, but maybe maybe they do. It's things like the uh, Amazon Echo or the Google Home, and now Apple has just announced that they're going to have a smart speaker. It's the new gadget, and much like a smartphone, much like uh, I don't know what other gadget, I mean, much like a podcast, it is certainly something that a community radio uh, community <laughs> should, or, or should, a be, podcaster. should be thinking about. Right, podcasters and community radio people, and uh, possibly... Um, uh, people who work within a radio station's newsroom might want to uh, have this gadget, have an understanding of this gadget on their on their radar. And we have a very um, we have Brian Edwards Secret coming on who took the time to uh, dig into at least how two of these gadgets uh, function as far as community radio. And so he'll be joining us next week uh, to break it down for us. And we're looking forward to that show. So tune in to that episode.